Thanks for taking some time to listen to this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe God will speak to you right where you are. Now, let's take a moment and prepare our hearts to hear this week's message. I'm excited about church today. Uh, For those of you that are just joining us, we're in this series called Here to There. And we've been talking about our finances and what there looks like. And we believe that there looks like a place of peace. There looks like a place of of, of debt-free. There looks like a place of, of blessing uh, in our finances. And for those of you that are like, why are we talking about this in church? It's because God's word has so much to say about it. How we manage our resources, how we manage what he has given us. Uh, the Bible has over 2,000 verses about our money and our stuff and only about 1,000 verses about prayer. So this is a big topic according to God. The other reason we're talking about it, by the way, is because you are. Like, this is on our minds. According to ABC News, they did a study and said that this is what we think about more than anything else, a lot more. Our money, our stuff, how how we're going to make everything work together. So we're thinking about it. It's on our mind, and unfortunately, it has a lot of our hearts. And in order for God to get to the place where he has our whole heart, we have to find that place where we are are stress-free, that we have this freedom when it comes to our finances and our, our debt. And so we started this series talking about having a picture of what that looks like. The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. So where there's no vision for there in your finances, what happens is we make dumb financial decisions. Anybody ever made a dumb financial decision? Yeah, we buy Bowflexes and Tony Little Gazelles and things like that. Shake weights, you should never buy that, by the way. We just make these dumb decisions. And so uh, that's what that looks like. And so we cast off restraint and we go into credit card debt. You know, we finance vacations. We finance dogs at the mall uh, instead of going to the Anna shelter and getting a dog come on somebody. So that's what we do. And so there we need to understand that everything we have comes from God. And that, that uh, we are managers of that, not the owner of it. So that was week one. Week two, come on, my wife brought an incredible message last week. Did she not? on budgeting and getting out of debt because she knew Black Friday was coming. How, how'd you guys do? You did okay? You didn't go too far in the hole, I hope. Uh, so we talk about that because we can't just tell you that God wants you to live debt-free without giving you some practical handles on how to get there. And so today I want to continue talking on this topic of generosity and giving. And for those of you that are guests here, you're like, I knew it. The church just wants my money. Can I tell you something? This has nothing to do with what the church wants from you. This has everything to do with what God wants for you. And in fact, I'll say this. There's a couple things you should know about your church. And one is that we don't live on everything that comes in. In fact, we budget based on 90% of the previous year's income. Like that's because we already set up margin in our budget. In fact, we typically live off of about 80% of what actually comes in, which somebody might ask, well, what do you do with the rest of it? We plant churches. We help people in need. We help single moms get out of drug addiction. We help men find freedom from alcohol abuse. We give away hats, cloaks, gloves, and scarves to an entire school. Come on, somebody. That's what we do. We do some pretty amazing things with what God has given us. So this today is not coming from a place of need. I never wanted to preach out of desperation. I think that's a bad place to be in. But this is saying if if you're a guest here, don't feel obligated to do anything with this teaching that I'm going to talk to you about. I would pray that you would consider it. 
that you would uh, think about it and you think about doing it God's way, but maybe for those of us that regularly attend, uh, just watch us squirm a little bit today. It's going to be fun, all right? So we're going to dive in uh, to this. It's going to be a great day, and the first thing I want you to understand is write it down. God is a God of order. Somebody say order. He's a God of order. Um, God operates in order. Life happens in order. Like, we intuitively know this, whether or not you're a follower of Jesus or, or believe in God or have any idea what to do with the church. Like, we intuitively know that life happens in order, right? Because you crawl and then you, some of you aren't sure, you walk. All right, after you crawl, you walk. And after you walk, you can run. We know that. Like, life happens in order. You get pregnant and then you give birth. Like, you don't want to get that out of order. Just throw that out there. Like, if you somehow figure out a way to get that out of order, you could have your own reality TV show. You could be a millionaire. But life happens in order. And God is a God of of order. All that to say, if you follow the order that God has prescribed, then you get blessing. If you don't follow the order, then you don't get blessing. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't like you. That doesn't mean that God is mad at you. It's just saying that God is a God of order. In fact, I'll say it this way. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principle, which means that God doesn't go around the earth saying, hey, everyone in the back row, I like you. Everyone in the front row, eh, not so much, right? That's not, God doesn't operate that way, but he is a respecter of principle, the principle that he's given us in his word. So maybe what we shouldn't do is go around comparing blessings to other people's blessings because that's what we do, is it not? We say, well, God, you're doing it for them. Looks like you're blessing them. You know, you're not doing it for me the way you should do it for me or the way I think you should do it for me. And maybe instead of comparing blessing, we should be comparing obedience because God does not bless us out of need. He blesses us from his principle that he's given us in his his word. Maybe we're comparing the wrong thing. And let me put a quick caveat in here, however, though, because sometimes, how many of you know, you can be obedient and following God and following God and still stuff happens. Does anybody know that? And sometimes God will use pain to teach us something. How many of you know pain can be a great teacher? But here's what I believe that on the other side of that, if you persevere through that, there is blessing on the other side. James 1.3 tells us that it's through the testing of our faith that produces perseverance. So there's blessing on the other side of that. All that to say, God's not saying, you know, uh, you, know you deserve more blessing or you deserve less blessing. Uh, God is a God of, of order, of order. And blessing is a byproduct of our obedience, of following God's principles that he places in his word. And just so you know, God's not going to break his principle to do something in your life. No, you obey first, and then God will follow our obedience with the principle. God will follow our obedience of the principle with the blessing. Are you with me? Especially in this area that we've been talking about over the last couple weeks in the area of our finances and how we view and manage our money. I'm going to give you two places to turn in scripture. One is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and the other one is Malachi 3. I want you to go ahead and turn to there and put your thumb in there. But 2 Corinthians 9 says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop But one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And you must decide in your heart. So God wants you to decide. He wants you to be a decider. Decide in your heart how much to give. The next verse is important. Don't give reluctantly 
or in response to pressure. In other words, God does not want you manipulated into giving. He doesn't want you to feel pressured into giving. And I apologize on behalf of the the capital C church if that's what you've experienced, if that's what you've sat under, if that's the kind of teaching that you've sat under where, you know, somebody comes up and says, if you don't give, then the, the children in Africa are going to starve. Anybody remember Tammy Faye Baker? You remember her commercials, and she had mascara on, and she would cry, and it's running down her face. Looks like someone shot her in the face with a paintball gun. Anybody remember her? God says, you're not supposed to give under pressure. You're not supposed to give under compulsion like that. He goes on to say, because God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. So you don't give with a grudge. You give cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And watch this, plenty left over to share with others. See, we've been talking about how God wants you to be blessed in the area of your your finances. That God wants us to make an impact for the kingdom, to experience his blessing, right? And I'm not a poverty preacher, but I'm also not a prosperity preacher either. Like there are two different theologies when it comes to uh, financial teaching, and they're both wrong, by the way. One says that you're not holy unless you're poor, uh, and the other one says that God's going to make everybody rich, financially rich. And that's, both of those are heresy. But I am a blessing preacher, that God wants you to be blessed, but he does not want you to be blessed for your benefit, He wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you can have plenty left over to share, he says, with others. So let's look at it again in verse 6. He says, if you plant small, you'll get small. Proverbs 11, 24 says it this way, that the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, but the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And he says, whoever plants generously will get a generous crop. So Paul teaching us on giving says, if you give a little, then then God will give you a little in return. But if you uh, give a lot, if you plant generously, you will get generously because God is a God of principle. He's not a God of need. He's a God of principle. We follow his principle. And he says, if you want to receive a great blessing, then you have to be a great blessing. He said, you must decide in your heart how much to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful Giver, and he says, God will then generously provide. When will God will? When will God generously provide? What's it contingent upon? Us being a generous and cheerful giver. So if I'm to be a generous giver, if I'm to be a cheerful giver, then I need a framework for that. Like, I need to know exactly what that looks like. Anybody else, like, need to know, like, if there's an expectation of me, like, tell me what it is. Don't let me figure it out. Don't let me wonder. Let me, you know, know exactly what the expectation is so I can either meet that expectation or I can exceed that expectation. Anybody else work that way? Yeah, yeah. So what does it look like for me to be a generous giver? Let me give you a big framework for that expectation. It's found in Matthew 6, It says this. Many of you are familiar with this verse, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. What are all these things? What is he referring to? Well, Jesus in this context is talking about stuff. He's talking about possessions. He's talking about money. And he says, if you'll seek me first, then all this other stuff that you stress about, All this other stuff that you worry about, all this other stuff that gives you gray hair, come on somebody, all this other stuff that keeps you up at night, like I will, if you seek me 
first, all these other things I'll take care of. Somebody say first. God is a God of, of order, and he says if you seek me first. Here's the principle I want you to jot down. You have to get this. God is first. I did not say God wants to be first. I said God is first. And it doesn't matter. In fact, it's irrelevant whether you think he should be first or not. God is first. Let me say it this way. God will never be second. God has never been second place. He never will be second place. God always is first. I'll say it even a little stronger. If he's not first, he's not at all. And God wants to be first in every area of your life. He wants to be first in your marriage. He wants to be first in your career pursuits. He wants to be first in your educational pursuits. And he wants to be first in the area of your finances. God is first. In fact, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of Scripture, God says, I am first. And so what does it look like? What does it mean practically for us to put God first in the area of our finances one word, jot it down, it's called the tithe. Now I know the air just left the room. And you're like, honey, I'll go to the bathroom, and then three minutes later, you follow me out. We won't make a scene. Listen, it's going to be okay. But it's called the tithe. And this is the system that he put in place from the very beginning. In fact, look at Genesis 14, 20. It says this, and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand, then Abram, he's talking about Abraham, this is before God changed his name to Abraham, before God put his name inside of his name, that's what the ham uh, portion of his name means, it just says, uh, Abram delivered your enemies into your hand, then Abram gave a what? A tenth of everything, that's what tithe means. It simply means a tenth. You may have heard our, our service host say from time to time, hey, it's time for us to return the tithe. It's a mathematical term. There's nothing mysterious about it. It simply means a tenth. So Abraham said, God, you have blessed me. And in order to put you first, I'm going to return a tithe to you. That's what it means to put God first in the area of our finances. Well, Colby, you can't build an entire theology around one verse. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm glad you're here. Check it out. Genesis 28, 22 says this, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. So he's formed God's house, and he said, and all that you give me, I will give you a what? A tenth. And so he's going to uh, bring a tithe, a tenth to God's house. So not only do we now know what it is, it's just a mathematical term, but we also know where it goes. It goes to God's house. Look at Leviticus 27.30. It says a tithe of everything. Someone say everything. Everything from the soil or fruit from the trees, listen to this, belongs to God and is holy to God. Now, this was an agricultural kind of society, so it made sense that they would say everything from the ground. You know, that, that we've, we've worked and produced everything from, from the trees, the fruit from the trees, you know, that we've, we've, we've produced. In fact, for us, uh, it would make sense for us to say everything from the government contract. A tithe from everything from the, the paycheck that I received from the school. A tithe from everything from the commission that I made on that sale. He says a tithe from everything that I have belongs to the Lord. Listen, that's why our platform communicators will come up here and say it's time for us to return the tithe. You know why we don't say it's time to give the tithe? Because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. We simply are returning to God what belongs 
to God. Let me say it this way. If I loaned you my car and you took my car and you came back about a week later or however long you borrowed it for, I don't know, and you came back and you said, hey, Colby, I got a gift for you, and you handed me my car keys, I would say, you're crazy. That's not a gift. In fact, that's my car. Right? You're not giving me something that already belongs to me. In fact, you better fill that thing up with gas, too, before you brought it back. You can't give to God something that already belongs to God. You can only return it. And so that's what he's saying. God, you have given me everything, and in order to put you first, I'm returning to you a tenth of all you have, have given me. And not only does it say it belongs to God, it takes it a step further, and it says it is holy to God. Which means every time you text to give, every time you give online or you set up you know, a recurring gift, every time you write a check, every time you put something in the bucket, that is not a financial transaction. That is a spiritual act of worship where you're saying, God, everything that you have given me, I understand belongs to you. And so now we know what it is. It's a tenth. That's all it means. We know where it goes. It goes to God's house. And we know why. Like it's holy to God. It belongs to God. It was his to begin with. And God says, this is the system that I have set up in place to know that, uh, you know, I am your source. I am your supply, that everything you have comes from me. It's our way of saying, God, I know that everything that I have comes from you. That's what it looks like to, to tithe, to return to God. Seek first the kingdom of God. God says, I want to be first in every area of your life. And just as he gave us communion as a reminder of the cross and the empty tomb, he's given us tithing as a reminder that he alone is our source, he alone is our supply, that everything that we have comes from him. I'm not expecting a lot of amens today, by the way. I'll just throw that out there. That's all right. Like, I know this is, this is tough. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. Scripture says this. God's talking to Israel. He's talking to his chosen people, which is actually a foreshadowing of the, the, the church and he says, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. And now he says, return to me. So he's telling them, hey, you guys have gone far from me, and it's time to return to me. And when you return to me, he says, I will return to you. But you ask, so they're asking, how are we to return? And so God poses a question to them. And he says, will a mere mortal, will a man rob God? And he says, yet you rob me, but you ask, and they're asking him, how do we rob you, God? And he responds, in tithes and in offerings. Now, why would God say that we are robbing him when we withhold the tithes and the offerings? Remember, Leviticus 27 says that everything belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. And when you take something that doesn't belong to you, it's called stealing. Listen, I, I know this is frank. I know this is straight to the point this morning. I just kind of feel like I've been in this part of Pennsylvania for nearly eight years building a church with a lot of integrity that I think I've earned the right to preach it like I mean it. And just to give it to you straight and to tell you exactly what God's word says. He says, you are robbing me. And I can tell because you've gone away from me. I've noticed that in 15 years or so of preaching the gospel that the further uh, someone's heart is from God, the less generous they become. Because it's never been a heart thing, or it's never been a finance thing, it's a heart thing. And the closer someone's heart is to God, you can't stop them from being generous. Why? Because the heart of God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he did what? 
He gave. That's his heart. So the further from God you are, the, the less generous we become, the closer to God we are, the more generous we become. And he says to Israel, hey, your heart is far from me. Why? How do you know that, God? He says, because you're not tithing anymore. You're not giving offerings anymore. That's how I know your heart's far from me, and I want your heart back. You know what that means? God doesn't want your money. It's not about your money. I love it when people will say something like, well, I'm not giving God my money. Um, as if he needed it, by the way. Can we think about that logically for just one second? Like, no one in this room, your bank account has never gotten to the size where God has looked down from heaven and said, if I could just get a piece of that. <laughs> like, nobody in this room. If I just get a piece of that, then I could do something. So if God is not after our money, he must be after something else. You know what it is? It's your heart. He is unapologetically after your heart. And he says, when you bring the tithes and the offerings to me, it's an indication that I have your heart. He's talking to his people, you've gone far from me. I don't have your heart anymore, and I just want your heart. And the tithe is a sign that God has our heart. Keep reading verse 9. He says, you're under a curse because of it. Not my words, God's words. And I know this is strong. Maybe this will help contextualize this part for you. Have you ever uh, been in that place where you're like, man, I just I feel like I'm drowning and dead. I feel like, you know, as soon as one thing breaks, then another thing. And then the, the dishwasher goes out. And now the, the furnace isn't working. And the hot water tank, you know, and my roof is now leaking. And, and my kid lost another retainer. And we didn't buy the insurance. So it's another 150 bucks. That's what we go through in my house. Just throwing that out there. You know what that is? That's that. That's being under a curse. Some of us, we, we think it's happenstance. We think life is just hard. That's us living under a curse. And that's not, that's not to say that stuff doesn't happen when you're living under the blessing of God, but when you're living under the blessing and you honor him first, you are equipped to handle those things when it comes because God is a God of principle. He's a respecter of principle, not of need. And so he says, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And so he says, so bring the whole tithe, the whole tenth, I've had people tell me, well, you know, Colby, I, just, I give 2% to the church. I give 2% to the United Way. I give 2% to, you know, I'm sponsoring this child through compassion. Can I tell you something? And don't hear me say that's not great. That's great. Don't hear differently. But that's not tithing. Tithing is when you bring the whole tenth to the house of God. That's what Abraham said. He brought it to the house of God. Now, last week, again, my wife brought an incredible timely message on this, on budgeting and finances, she talked about tithing uh, a little bit, and we know that's a stretch. Like, I know how hard that is for some of you that just cross the line of faith, and you're like, you know, now to, you know, return to God what belongs to God, that's difficult, that you've never put that principle into practice, and so that's tough. So she said, hey, start someplace. You maybe start with 5% with the intention, however, that you're going to bring the whole tithe, that that's the plan, because I could argue like all day long that the order is more important than the amount, that it's first, that God wants first. However, I could also argue that God does not put arbitrary numbers in his word. There's something about 10 that unlocks the blessing. There's something about there were 10 commandments that God gave us. There were 10 plagues, and then Israel was freed, right? There were, there were 10 lepers, and one came back to God and returned being thankful. There's something about that. 
And so he says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, which is the local church, by the way. That's the modern-day storehouse, the local church. And can I say something about this while I'm, while I'm just being honest, I'm just getting it all out there? I might as well, right? I have the microphone. Um, some people might say, well, I don't know if I trust you enough to bring a whole 10% to the church. Can I ask you, you would trust me with your soul, but not with your money? Like your priorities are out of order. Because your soul is going to last for eternity. That's the thing that's going to last, you know, forever. Your money is going to burn up when this earth burns away. And before you think this is some sort of self-serving kind of message, don't tithe here. Find a place. Find a, a storehouse, a local church that, that, that feeds you, that you can pour into, that, that helps you reach your full potential, that's meeting needs, that's doing great things in our community. Find that place and give. I'm not saying it has to be here. I'm saying find a place and return the whole tithe to the storehouse. Trust God at his word. In fact, that's what he says. Test me in this, says the Lord. The only time God says to test him, test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing over your life, you won't have room to contain it. God's saying, hey, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get that right there to you. I'm trying to get the floodgates of heaven opened up over your life, pouring out so much blessing into your life, you can't contain it. That's what he wants. If you'll do it God's way, if you'll return to him, what belongs to him. Now, some people might say, well, why does he want it in his storehouse? So we can plant churches, so people can get fed, so children can get fed, so, so needs can be met, so men can find freedom, so women can find freedom from addiction and alcohol abuse. Come on, that's, that's why he says bring it to the church, the storehouse. We don't give to the church. We give to God through the church. So ministry is able to happen. We return to God what belongs to him, and he says, I will take the 90%, and I'll make that go further with my blessing than 100% could go without my blessing. Return to God. I know it seems crazy. I know it sounds peculiar. I understand that. I know it's, it's difficult. I'm just telling you, God's way works. It works. But hey, if you like paycheck to paycheck, if you like pressure and strain, if you like arguments in the home, hey, keep doing it. Keep doing it your way. Like, like have at it. I don't have a dog in the fight except to say that I know the blessing that comes from following God's principle and doing it his way. And I would challenge you, just, just try it God's way. Like, give God's way. Budget God's way. Do it his way. And don't, don't sort of do it. Don't say, well, I kind of tried it. I tried a little bit. I would say try it for six months. Try it God's way and see if you don't test him in this and God doesn't prove himself faithful. I think the reason why some of us don't take this step and tithe is because we got some FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Right? It's a fear of missing out. I think some of us take the approach of what if I, if I do give God, you know, another tenth or a tenth of my, my income, then what could I be doing? What could I be missing out on? Like what, 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 what trip could I take? What stuff could I buy? What, what could I have? We have FOMO. That's why we don't do it. Can I tell you something? I have FOMO. I just got FOMO in reverse. I think what blessing would I be missing out on? What provision from God would I be missing out on? I can't help but tithe because I don't want to miss out on the floodgates of heaven being opened up over my life. Like I don't want to miss out on that. In fact, let me illustrate it to you this way. I got some people that are going to help me out this morning. 
But God says, um, thanks, I don't even know what this is. Cauliflower, whatever this is. I don't eat this stuff. Uh, it's not Chick-fil-A, so I don't need it. But God says, I'm going to give you ten of these. And all I want you to do is give me one. Right? I want you to return one to me. And I don't want it to be just anyone. I want it to be the first one. Seek me first. Seek my, the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then all these other things that you have will be given to you as well. So I don't want it just to be anyone. I want it to be the first one. I need to be first in your life. Again, because the order matters. It's our way of saying, God, you are first in my life. It's not saying that, hey, I'm going to budget. You know, I'm going to do all my finances. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to pay the mortgage. I'm going to do everything and see what I have left over to give God, right? That's called tipping. God is not your heavenly server. Thanks, Park. Uh, your heavenly Applebee's eating good in the neighborhood server, right? God is the, the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the one who flung the stars into space. He's the one that spun the planets into orbit. And he said, I changed your life. I forgave you of your sin. I saved you. I just want to be first. You show me that I'm first. And we start to look and think, man, I don't know if I can do that. And we look at our stuff, and our, our table is full. Our table is, is overflowing. And God's like, I just want to be first. I just want a, a tenth. And we're like, ah, yeah, but I need just a little more. And so we, what we happens is we start to take off of God's table. And we're like, you know, I, just, I need a little bit more, and I'm just going <laughs> to. Just going to have a little more stuff. There's a cucumber, by the way. Thanks for the apple. I don't know if I can give it to you, God, because I need a little bit bigger house. I need a little bit bigger car. I need to make sure it has that logo on it. And God's like, I just want to be first. And the system that I have set up in place is that for every 10 that you get, you return, sorry, now I'm spitting cucumber. You return one to me. I just want to be first. And a lot of times our attitude is like, no, God, I don't know if I can do that. But our table is overflowing. It reminds me of my... My two-year-old, Park, I'm going to have to get rid of this stuff. <laughs> two-year-old, Gray. Sorry, Park. That's Park. <laughs> I have four kids, all right? It's confusing. <laughs> well, Gray, he's full on two. I'll come home, and I'll be like, Gray, Dad's home. And I'll come in, and he'll be like, no, Mommy. He's in a Mommy phase right now. And I'll be like, I just, I want to bless you. You know, I even have a cookie for you. Great, you want a cookie? And he'll be like, no, mommy. And then he'll say, you mean. You're meanie. Like, I'm not mean. But I think sometimes that's how God feels. Like, God's like, I want to bless you. And we're like, no, you're mean. And I don't want to give you anything. It's my stuff. It belongs to me. Do you know um, why it is that whenever we talk about giving and tithing, that it's kind of like golf claps in the room. You know why that is? Relevant Church Magazine did a, a survey, and they discovered that um, they said how, how many churches, on average, how many people in church in America actually tithe? You know how much? We're just talking at this point. You know how much? How many people? What percent? 15. 15% of people actually return a tithe to God, 15% of people that have been saved, 
that have been set free, that their sins are no longer being counted against them, that have a new life in Christ, and 15% of people return the tithe. And here we are. Our stuff is overflowing. We can't even contain it. And God's like, I just want you to bring one and return one to me. Return one to me. And so I asked our financial administrator, um, I rolled over and tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, because she's my wife. <laughs> I said, I wonder where we are as a church. Maybe we can pull some stats together. Let me share a couple stats with you about our church. Uh, it was shocking to me. And, and we don't know, by the way, how much people give. Like, we're hands off on that kind of stuff. Um, we have a lot of financial integrity. We have a lot of checks and balances in place. But here's what we discovered is that 10 families, not 10%, 10 families in our church give 25% of the budget. Our budget is 1.2, it'll be about 1.2 million this year. And 10 families give 25% of that. How many people do you actually think are tithing? In fact, uh, it just came out this weekend that there was a study done. It was in Go Erie. I think uh, my wife saw it on Instagram that it said the average salary, the average wage for someone in Erie, in Erie County, is $41,408. And if we said that there were 1,300 adults here at Elevate Church that call this church home that work full-time jobs, right, which that's being conservative. There are a lot more than that. We have about 1,800 people come a weekend, and the average person attends like twice a month. They say less than four times of every eight weeks, the average person attends church. And so we have maybe probably about 3,500 or so people that call this church home, but say 1,300 adult individuals, if they made $41,408 a year, a 10% tithe on that, our budget would be $5.3 million. We're at one2 and I thought about that, and my, my heart broke because I'm like, God, I have not taught our church well. I have not adequately uh, explained to them how important this is to you, the way we view and handle what we've been given. And then I thought about this. You know what that means? When about 15% of people clap, that means over 80% of people are struggling. Over 80, I can't imagine the fights that are happening in the home. I can't imagine the stress and the pressure that you are, are feeling. That's why about 15% of people clap, because they know the power of the principle of putting God first in this area of saying, God, I want you to know that I know everything I have comes from you. In fact, Relevant Magazine continued on in that study, and they said, if all those churches, if everyone in those churches gave 100% participation in returning the tithe, it would equal $165 billion, billion with a B. And to put that in a little bit of perspective, this is what uh, you could do with that. $25 billion would relieve global hunger and death from preventable disease in five years from the world. Like, get rid of it. $25 billion would do that. $12 billion would eliminate global illiteracy in five years. $15 billion would solve the world's water and sanitation issues. Where there are great water issues uh, in Africa. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas current 
overseas missions work coming out of America, which leaves, get this, $112 billion left over for further kingdom advancement. You know what that tells me? Is God has all the resources he needs to meet every single need on this earth. He's got it all, all that he needs. He's just having trouble getting it out of our hands. Because we just want, what, a little bit more? Want to take a little bit off of God's table and put it back on our table because we want the bigger house? We want the car with the right logo. We want to do travel, sport, everything, and we want to make sure that that's at the top of our list. I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. I'm saying when that stuff owns you to a place where you can't do this, where you can't return to God what belongs to God, then there's a problem. There's a problem. And I thought long and hard about how I should end this. Because sometimes we've given a challenge like, hey, you know, do this 90-day tithe challenge and, and, you know, test God in this. But here's what I thought too. It's not between you and us. It's not between you and me. It's not between you and this church. It's between you and God. And I would challenge you. I don't need to know about it. I would challenge you to do six months, go all in, and take God at his word. And try it and return the tithe to God. I'm not saying start in January, right? Well, I'll start, you know, a new year. Today is a new first day of the month. Like start now, sit down, have a, have a conversation with your spouse. Just say, hey, this is the reality of our financial picture. And put God to this test and say, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm not sure how we're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But we're going to put you first. Like, like take the challenge. Put God to the test. Now for the 15% that tithe, here's our instruction. It's found in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. It's what Paul said. He said, but just as you excel in everything in faith and in speech and in knowledge and complete earnestness and your love for us, see to it that you also excel in this grace of giving. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, we need to grow in this area as well. We need to grow in this, this area of our life in, in giving. I've probably shared some of this with you before, but Kristen and I, like from day one of planting this church, we decided that for every year Elevate Church was in, a, in existence, we would increase our tithe by another percent because we didn't know how long this thing was going to last. But every year we would just up it by a percent. And it hasn't always been easy. It has, it has been tough. In fact, I'll just tell you, right now we give uh, 15%. And we've been around for seven years. So, like I said, I'm just keeping it real. We haven't always been on track. But now we've increased it. And we've given five more percent than what God asks of us. And I don't tell you that to say, hey, look at us. I tell you that to say, we live and lead what we preach. I can't take you any place I'm not willing to go. And we just understand the power that's in the principle of saying, God, you own everything that I have and I'm just returning to you what belongs to you in the first place. And the, the more generous uh, and the more blessed we are, the more generous we want to be and the more blessed we are, the more generous we want to be. I'm just telling you God's way works. We've never been in need, never been in want. He's always taking care of us every step of the way. Test him in this.
I would say this too, for those of you that are our guests here, you can tune this part out if you want to. Um, go ahead and check your gram, your email, whatever you want to do right now. But for those of you that this is your church home, you know that every single year, like we do a year-end giving opportunity called Until Jesus Runs This Town. And it's really a time where we come together and say, God, we're going to bring you our very best gift of the year. Where we look back on 2019 and see all the amazing things that God has done through this church and, and look ahead towards 2020 of all that God is going to do. And there's some great things that are coming that I'm excited about. We just look with anticipation that God's going to do more. And this offering really sets up uh, us to advance into 2020 and reaching more and more people who are far from God. And so we tell you about it early because God loves a cheerful giver and that you shouldn't give out of compulsion or, or pressure, right? So we tell you about it five weeks in advance and say, hey, this is coming so that you can plan, you can prepare, you can pray and ask God what he would have you bring. So we all come together next weekend and just bring our very best to God and see what he's going to do. But for those of you that maybe haven't crossed that line and trusted God in this area, that's your action step. Maybe you need to become a tither. And you need to recognize that everything we have comes from God. And the system he put into place to say that, God, you have our heart is through tithing, is returning back to him what he's given us. And that might be for some of you where you need to start. In fact, there's another place. Probably some of you in this room need to start. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never understood that, that God's always been after your heart. He's always wanted your heart. And so from the very beginning, he knew that we could not get to God. And so he sent Jesus to die for our sins. So the moment we confess him as Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. That's why some of you are here. Because God is saying, return to me. Return to me. He's been drawing you to him for a long time. You've never made that decision and crossed the line of faith. And I want to help you do that this morning. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes and no one's looking around. But if you'd say, Colby, that's why I'm here. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. In fact, I'm going to pray with you. I'm just going to give you language because the Bible says that as we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. God just wants your heart. And for some of you, that's where it needs to start today. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that prayer, I'm praying it with you. Would you right now be so bold just to lift your hand? I want to see who I'm praying with today that knows you just need to turn your heart and your attention towards God. Awesome, awesome. That God needs to, uh, you need to have God forgive your sins through the sacrifice of his son. You can put your hands down. Just say something like this. I want to give you language to help you, but you can use your own words. You can say, Jesus, today, I give you my heart. I know you want my heart. Forgive me for going my own way. I repent of my sin, my sin of not following you, the bad decisions that I've made, the, the direction that I've gone. And today I confess you as Jesus and Lord and Savior of my life. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, conquering my sin. And you were raised to life so I could be raised to a new life in you as well. And so today I give you my life. You have all of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, 
Congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this awesome journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can do so by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.